Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. It's a real privilege and honor to be able to get up here and speak on Father's Day. My first Father's Day, which is pretty exciting, well, technically my first. It was in Renee's tummy last September. But this is our first Father's Day, and it's pretty special for me. And uh, my message today is called, What a Dad Wants. And Pastor John asked me this morning to speak on what does a dad want for their kids that's different to one that's not a Christian. And I'm on a bit of a journey, and I brought some photos for us to have a look at. And... uh, but this morning was cool. I got all the Father's Day gifts this morning. Uh, you know, singlets, undies, t-shirts to go under my shirts, and aftershave. That's cliche Father's Day presents, isn't it? So I've got to look forward to that for the rest of my life, which is pretty cool. I'll never run out of singlets or undies ever again. But... Here's some photos. So I just want to show you, this is the journey that I've been on. He is nine months old in two days' time. That's Hezekiah when he was born. That's pretty cool. That's not the most earliest one we've got, but it's the only one Renee will let me show. So, But that's, that's him. That's the day he was born or the next day. I think it's the day he was born, pretty much. Next photo. That's, I think that's the first couple of days he was home. Doesn't he look different now compared to then? So, next photo, that's his first day in church with his little superhero costume on and his headphones that have never worked. They were off in about five minutes. Next photo, please. That's, that's him in his best clothes for church, dressed up. Nice photo. Next one, that's him dressed in the right costume, Queensland. No booing there. Next one. That's him and I asleep. Next one, please. That's me asleep and him awake. <laughs> and, uh, all right, have we got, I think we've got a few more. Next one. That's him. That's him on the day of his dedication. That's a really nice photo. That's the best photo I've ever taken. That's Hezekiah and I down at the park. Near the beach. And I think we've got one or two more. That's Hezekiah yesterday at the, the lighthouse crossing. We walked across the lighthouse, the three of us. And that was his first time down at the beach where his poppy used to go spearfishing all the time. So I'm on a journey. And for me, I'm in, you can take him off, thank you. I'm in, in, I'm in uncharted territory for me. Because growing up, I never really had a dad to teach me, especially with the first six years, I never really had a dad to show me how to be a dad for that first six years. And then when my dad did come along, he did his best, but he never really showed me how to be a dad. So from this time on, right now, I'm pretty much in uncharted territory, and I've got to trust in God to teach me how to be a dad. 
and I'm looking at other dads and I'm watching them. I'm, I'm looking at people who have fathered me and spoke words into my life, people who, who've loved me and shown me that it's okay to be an emotional dad and stuff like that. All these things, I'm watching them and saying, okay, so that's the kind of dad I want to be. That's how I'm going to act. That's who I'm going to be. I'm grabbing all these things. So my message this morning isn't really to try and tell you how to be a dad. Because I wouldn't be that arrogant to stand up here and tell people who've been dads for 30 or 40 years how to be a father. My message this morning is about, hey, this is what I want for my son. And I believe this is what God, our Father in heaven, wants for us. This is who I believe, God, my dad in heaven, who's always been the best dad I could ever ask for, who's taught me all the stuff that I needed to know. Who, what he wants for you and I as a dad. And, and the, the Bible verse I'm going to use this morning is out of 2 Samuel chapter 6, 10 to 11. Let me set the picture. Here's what's going on. David's really excited. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant of Territory Land, and he wants to bring it to Israel. He gets all the best men, all the best-looking men, all those who are talented, all those who are great at playing musical instruments. He said, hey, come on, we're going to go get the presence of God, and we're going to bring it back to Jerusalem. So they get it. They put the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God dwelled in the Old Testament. They put it on the back of a cart. The Bible says that it was being pulled along by oxen, and as they were going to the threshing floor, because the oxen were hungry, they moved to the side, and then the the cart started to wobble. So this guy named Uzzah, who wasn't really doing anything wrong because he saw that the ark was going to fall, he put out his hand, and as he put out his hand, God struck him dead. Bang, he was gone. So David, in this moment, says, hey, I, I, I'm too scared to bring this thing into Jerusalem. We've got to do something with this. And this is where we come to in verse 10 to 11 of 2 Samuel 6, it says, He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Obed-Edom was a dad. And because the presence of God came into Obed-Edom's house, the whole house was blessed. And so out of this, I'm going to talk to you some things about in my life that I want for my son. And the first thing we want is we want Hezekiah to love Jesus. That's the greatest desire that we have as parents. I believe as a parent of, most, of every Christian that would sit in this room or in any other church and in all of Australia and the world, is they want their kids to love Jesus with everything they've got. So it's a big challenge for me. That says to me that I have to model who Jesus or, or, and God the Father is to my son. And right now, here's how I'm doing it. I'm praying for him. So when he goes to bed at night, Father, I thank you you'd keep him safe. I thank you, Lord, that you surround him with your angels, that he would have dreams about you, that even while he's asleep, he'd feel your presence, that he, even while he's asleep, as, as he'd, he'd be falling more and more in love with you. What else are we doing? We're speaking words of life over him. So I'm saying to him, Father, I thank you that he's going to have a beautiful wife. I thank you, God, that she's going to love God. He's going to have children. I thank you, God, you're going to use him to change your world. 
I thank you for the amazing dreams you've placed in his life. Another thing we're doing, I'm spending time with him. As you saw in that photo up there, I love nothing more than holding my son as he goes to sleep. In fact, often I go to sleep before he does. If I can't sleep, I think he's, you just pick him up on my sleep. And There's been times, don't tell Renee. There's been times when Renee's gone out to her dance class and Hezekiah and I were playing on the lounge chair and next minute I wake up and he's asleep in my arms. I went, oh gee, I'm glad he fell asleep and didn't try and climb off the chair or... Thanks for keeping him safe, God. <laughs> and, uh, but there's, there's a special moment I like when I'm holding him. Sometimes I'll be watching TV or I'll be thinking about something. I'll look down and I'll look up at him and he's looking into my eyes. And it melts my heart. And I want him to do that for the rest of his life. And, but not just me. I want him to be looking into the face of God. I want him to know that, he, yes, he can look into his earthly dad any time he likes, but because I've modeled that into his life, that I want to spend time with him and that those moments are special, I want him to translate that from his life now into his life with God and know that this father here wasn't great, but my God in heaven is great. And, and because of what he's done, I know that my dad in heaven has always got time for me. That if I desire to go and look into the eyes of my God, that my dad is looking down at me and going, hey, I want to spend time with you. When I come home after work, I like walking in the lounge room and he hears my voice and he'll start crawling over to me. And I can't help it. I've got stuff to do, but I can't help it just to pick him up and carry him. When he cries, I've got to pick him up. When he says, Dad, 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 Renee's there going, now nah, look, got to just leave him in the cot or else he's getting into bad habits. But because I hear my voice, i just got to go pick him up. There's something in me that desires to hang out with my son. And I want him to know that there's a desire in his father in heaven's heart to hang out with his son. I like comforting him. Just the other night, he was lying in bed. He was asleep. It was about three o'clock in the morning and I could hear him sobbing in bed, in his sleep. And uh, I left him for a little while just to see if he'd go back to sleep because Renee wouldn't have liked, no, I'm only kidding. I just left, <laughs> I let him sob and he was lying in bed and he started sobbing and then he started crying and mum jumped out of bed and picked him up and then I, then I woke up and I said, give him to me. Got up out of bed, I held him and because again, I want him to know that God's always there to comfort him in his times of hurt and pain. I want to give my son life experiences. That's why we did the, the walk yesterday and that's why I took him to the park just recently, we took him down to the park and um, I was playing on the slides in the new park and Renee and Hezekiah were watching. <laughs> they were, oh, that's right, I'm here for Hezekiah. I've had a grab to Hezekiah. Because you've got to test them to see if they're safe first. So I decided I couldn't take him on the big slides yet, so I took him on the little slide. I wanted him to stay up till 8 o'clock on State of Origin night just to see kickoff because... Once kickoff came, he could go to sleep. It was a life experience. And I think his dad, our dad in heaven wants the same for us. He wants us to have great life experiences. He wants to know that, that he wants to comfort us. He wants to know that he wants to spend time with us. That's the dad 
that we have. I think as a father too, it's my responsibility to bring the presence of God into my home. That's what I want to do. I I don't want, just like Obed-Edom allowed David to bring the presence of God into his home, he desired it and wanted it in there. I think it's my job to desire the presence of God in my home. Not to give my son a list of do's and don'ts. You can't watch that. You can watch this. You can't listen to that. You can listen to this. You can't read that. You can read this. You can, like when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch Monkey Magic. I still did, but I wasn't allowed to. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea. I used to call a cloud down with his ear up. And a cloud would come down. He'd jump on. had machine guns and everything. But... I want my son to know there's more to Christianity than just do's and don'ts. Yes and no. That, hey, this is about a relationship. I want, I want him to be around me and, and to know that, hey, this thing with God is real. This, this walk of faith is real. Hey, sometimes I have ups and sometimes I have, sometimes I have downs and sometimes I have ups. Sometimes things aren't easy, but God is always with me. I want to talk to him about those things. You know what? T- times are tough sometimes, but God's always with me. Just like that word. You know what? Even God's wilderness is greater than captivity. I want to tell him those kind of things. I want to say, here's why we tithe, because God has done such an amazing thing in our life. Life's more than just do's and don'ts, and, and, and I hope I'm getting my heart across in that area what I mean by the presence of God in my home. I want him to know and understand that, hey, and notice that, hey, God is in my home. God exists in this place. So I've got to read my Bible, pray, hang out with God, hunger for His presence, desire more and more of Him. We have a look at Joseph in the Bible. Now, Jacob, his dad, was not a good dad, was he? When you read it, he probably wasn't a great. If he ever came out with a book about how to be a dad, you'd probably throw it in the bin. You'd be nice and say, thank you very much. And on the way past, you just chuck it in the bin. Because if you read about it in Genesis, he played favorites. He had 12 sons, but he treated Joseph better than all the others. He treated him so well that he gave him this really ornate robe. It was, many people call it a coat of many colors. But all the other sons, he didn't. He said, hey, Joseph's my favorite. Joseph has my favor. And although it's bad fathering, it gives us an amazing truth that of all the sons who dreamed, it was Joseph, because Joseph knew he had his dad's favor. And I believe that when we, as parents, when I as a dad, show my son that you have my favor, it shows him that you have your dad in heaven's favor, and it causes him to dream. I want my son to know that you can dream any dream, that there's nothing too big that you can't do with God with you. Because that's what the Bible says. In Ephesians 3, 20, 21, in the message version, it says, God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennial. Oh, yes. Or in in the NIV it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work in us. When I was a young person, when I was a little kid, I loved Jesus. But then when I became a teenager, I could still remember saying to my mom, Mom, I don't believe in God anymore. 
I believe in evolution. I believe that we all just came from, there was a big explosion and we all, all just evolved from monkeys. That's what I believe, mum. Remember my mum, a Christian, said, okay, Jason, that's, that's up for you to believe. She wasn't happy about it, but that's what she believed. And I, and I look back, and I think it's because of the reason that when I was young, up to about the year, year age of six, it was just mum and I, and every night before I went to bed, she'd read me the Bible. She'd pray with me. She'd take us to church. And the thing that changed was when my mum and dad got to married, we stopped going to church. We stopped reading the Bible. The thing that changed was exposure. No longer was I exposed to the presence of God. No longer was I exposed to His Word. No longer was I exposed to people of faith. No longer was I exposed to heroes who I could look up to. That's why as, as, as parents, Renee and I want to take our son to church every Sunday. We want to take Hezekiah, we want to, when he gets older, we want to send him to youth camps and youth conferences and, and do whatever it takes to get him to places where he'll be exposed to the presence of God. That he'll be exposed to people of faith. Because that's what we want to do. The next thing is this. When I look through Scripture, I see the key to living a great life is the presence of God. And so with Hezekiah, I want to see him in the presence of God. If you look at the story in this moment, when, when, he, when Uzzah's just died, and Obed-Edom's there in the house, and, and David comes and he gives him the Ark of the Covenant, the Bible says that his household was blessed. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I picture it in my head what that might have looked like. The presence of God, the ark comes in and it's sitting in the house. They all go to bed. The next morning they get up and the dad goes to the mirror and he looks in the mirror and he, he was bald, but now he's got all his hair back. He's now got flowing hair. That'd be good for me. I said to Renee, because I'm losing my hair at the top, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, when it gets really bald, I'm just going to grow the last part really long, like a mullet, like Hulk Hogan. And she said, we will not be married anymore. I reckon it looks pretty cool myself, but yeah. But he comes downstairs and his hair's all grown back. The mum, she no longer argues with the dad about control over the remote control and watch what they're watching on TV. They've been blessed. The, the sister, the sister walks downstairs and says to the dad, he says, hey, mum, I've decided I'm not going to start dating till I'm 30. All the dads go, yes! We're not, I'm not going to get married till I'm 40. The son, he used to have pimples all over his face. He used to be able to play a game like dot to dot with all the pimples on his face. He comes down and his face is clean. Then they go outside and the chickens have not only laid one egg each, they've laid two. They can get liters and liters of milk out of the cows. The goats are having heaps and heaps of babies. The sheep's wool is growing bigger and bigger. When they shave it off, next day they come out and there's more wool because their household is blessed. That's what happens when the presence of God comes into a home. And I want my son to understand that you don't need anything else but God in your life to be successful. I don't want him chasing after more and more people, more and more money, more and more things. Girls, I don't want him to think if I can just get those, if I can just get popularity, 
then I'll be successful in life. But I want him to know that success comes from the presence of God. That success comes from God's word, not from things, not from me. I was reading my Bible last week, and I was reading about Saul. And there's this one story with Saul, and, and Saul and David are, 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 are contrasting characters in the Bible. They're almost exact opposites. It's almost like David versus Saul. You can look at the things that Saul did, that David did so much better than Saul. And, and there's this one story where Saul is about to go to war. And if you have a look in this moment, all of a sudden, because everybody's scared, they start to leave. They start to run away. And Saul gets a bit scared, and he he thinks that, hey, my victory is in how many people I have with me. My victory is in popularity. My victory is in the amount of people that are here. And he says, you know what? I've got to quickly do an offering to God so that they'll stay, because otherwise I'll lose. And then he does the offering. Samuel, who carries the word of God, walks in to this moment, and he says, what have you done? He said, hey, they're all running away, so I thought I had to give an offering. He said, no, no, that's wrong. That's only for me to do. You've done wrong. God has rejected you, and and God spoke to me in this moment, and he said these words to me. He said, Jason, it's not about how many people that are with you for victory. What matters is the word of God. Victory comes in the word of God. The word of God was coming, When the word of God had arrived, he would have spoken words over Saul, like it doesn't matter how many people you've got with you, you're going to win. Because all the way through the Bible, it didn't matter how many people were in the the armies of Israel, it mattered that God was there and he gave a promise. You have a look, Gideon only had 300 men. There's the story where he comes down and God says to Gideon, he says, hey, look, you've got too many people. You've got 22,000 soldiers. If I make you win with 22,000, all of Israel will boast that victory was in them and not in me. He says, oh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them anyone who's scared, they can leave. So he gets up and says, yeah, hey, look, guys, anyone who's scared can leave right now. The Bible says he looked, and in fact, all these people start walking away. The army just spreads. Could you imagine being Gideon sitting up there and going, God, I don't know about this. This is crazy. Their army is huge, and look at all these people just deserting. The Bible says it got down to 10,000. Then you go, cool. You know, I think with 10,000, we could probably still win. God says, still, there's still too many. Wow. Still too many. He says, yep, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to go and get everyone to get a drink out of the the creek. And uh, they go down, they have a drink. He says, now here, I want you to send everybody away who put their head down and, and lapped the water like a dog. And, and everybody who scooped the water into their mouth, they can stay. And it got down all the way down to 300 people. says, that's all I need to win is 300. Abraham went and won a great victory with 318 people. Elijah, a whole generation turned around back to God when he was just on his own. He caught fire down from heaven. Boom. The altar exploded. And a whole generation turned back and said, your God is God. He is the real God because all God needs is his word. And that's what I want my son to know. In my life, I spent a whole lot of my life thinking I needed people. And don't get me wrong. I love people. I want to be around people. I think people are amazing. 
I want to see people do great things with their life. But I spend all this time going, man, if, if that person just believes in me, if that person just, if, that, if I can just get popularity from them, if that person there can just see the call of God on my life, I'll be successful. And, and what changed my life is when God says, actually, you can't lead people if you're always wanting them to see what's on your life. How can you be a leader? What you need is my word. You need my promises. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I don't want my son waiting 35 years to learn that. I want him to learn it now in his first 10 or 15 so he can spend the rest of his life doing amazing things for God. Whether it's as a business person, a school teacher, a, a mum or a dad. No, not a mum, a dad. It's your, might be your daughter who's a mum. Whatever it is, whatever God's called him to do, that he'd realize it doesn't, I don't need others, I just need you and your promises. And on the way, you'll bring all the people I need along with me. Because you draw all men to you, not me. How cool would it be if we understood that for our life, but not only for our life, that we started to pray it in the life of our kids. And the last thing is this. I want my son to serve God. I want him, but not just that, I also want him to serve others. There's a real cool story, and I want to read you the Bible verse. It comes from Luke chapter 5, 18 to 19. It says there's some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on a roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I think this is an amazing story of men serving someone else when they could never get anything back in return. Imagine a man, he's paralyzed on a mat. He can do nothing for those other four guys. They carry this guy. They dig a hole in a roof. They lower the guy down in the, through the roof, down onto the floor, so Jesus can pray for this man and heal him. I want my son to be like one of those four guys who carried that mat. I want to be someone who carries others. I want to be someone who fights for other people, who protects those who can't protect themselves. That's what I want for my son. And I I think really, that's what, this one here is really what makes the difference between a Christian parents and non-Christian parents. Because every mum and dad surely want their kids to do well. They want them to be successful. They want them to change their world. But for us, we understand that the way you change your world is different. You do it through serving other people. If I could get the band up, please. Yeah, Jesus said, there's this one time where the disciples started to argue and they had this big fight over who was the greatest. And Jesus called them all in. He said, hey, John, Peter, James, Judas, Bartholomew, Thomas, you other guys, come on in. And he says, hey, here's, here's the thing. Whoever wants to be greatest in the kingdom of God needs to be servant of all. And when you think about it, if anybody in this whole universe could have ever been served, it's Jesus. Jesus created everything with his mouth. 
He did heaps of miracles. He brought people back from the dead. He, he gave man back his sight. He walked on water. He told a storm to be quiet. But even he says, hey, I didn't come to this world to be served. I came to serve. Today, my declaration over my kid is I want my son to be someone who changes his world through serving others. I love what it says about David on the day he died. He's there in heaven. But it says about him, it says, David served his generation. I won't be at my son's funeral. I'll be dead. Hopefully when we all get, when we pass away, we get to go down and God will let us just to sit there in the funeral to listen to all the cool things that said about our kids, but, or our family members that we love. But I hope it's said about my son that he served his generation. When you have a look and you read the story about Obed-Edom, I think he was serving his family in that moment. Because if you ever thought about the story when David comes and knocks on the door, Obed-Edom opens it, and he looks out and there's a heap of men around and heaps of soldiers. And he looks, King David, what are you doing? He says, hey, uh, here's the thing. We're going to leave the ark of God at your house. He says, oh, okay. Why is that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, while, while we were bringing the ark here, this guy named Uzzah stuck out his hand. And it killed him. And we, well, I don't actually want it in my house, so we're going to leave it at your house. In this moment... He says, you know what, I want the presence of God in my home. I'm going to serve, I'm going to sacrifice to see the presence of God in my house. And because of in that moment, because he served his family, because he served, his household was blessed. Let's be people who serve. Let's pay the price, whatever it takes, so that our kids can have so much better than I had. My dad left before I was born, and then when he came back, he did the, like I said, he did the best he could. But I don't want my son to have to go through the stuff I went through. And today's message, let's all stand up. This morning, let's choose to be dads, and maybe you're a single mom and and there's no dad on the scene, but let's choose even to be parents. And say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to see my kids love Jesus. I'm going to pay the price so they can love Jesus. I'm I'm going to show them what it is to have the presence of God in my home. Let's start to talk to God and say, God, show me where I've replaced religion in my home for relationship." where I've been happy with religion and, and, and not with your presence. And I, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to stuff up along the road. But I want to be a guy that's always willing to go, God, I'm sorry. 
Show me how to fix it. Let's fix this up. Let's do what it takes. We've got the best dad as the best model we could ever ask for. Maybe God's saying today, spend more time with your kids. Maybe we need to start speaking words of encouragement and and, and God's promises over our children. Whatever it is, let's serve so that our son, our daughters, our families can serve our generation. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.